Scott and Liam versus Evil. Tonight is my last night shift of seven in a row, and it's it's not actually that bad. It is quite knackering, and you get like slightly delirious and whatnot. But I mean, I've just this is not even delirious. This is just like genuinely stuff. This is me being mental. I've just spent the entire time just looking at different um, cowboy outfits that I can buy and wear without looking ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like you know, like some outfits that you can you can wear that you can fit into like modern day clothes, and you won't look like a fucking idiot. So, <laughs> how 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 many did you find that wouldn't make you look like a fucking idiot? Well, first off, I found I found a hat. I've been looking at hats, right? Now, I think you, you I think you can get away with a hat, but because people wear all different types of hats, right? People wear baseball caps. I wear baseball caps all the time. Knitted beanies, um, slouch beanies. People wear bonnets. People look like old old like Irish like potato farmers, you know. And people wear that on purpose. People look like Mumford and Sons on purpose. So I could wear a, a cowboy hat. Alright, I draw the line at chaps and sp- stirrups, uh, spurs, because, I mean, I don't ride a horse, so that'd be ridiculous, obviously. But, I um, think that the hat thing's different, because if, you, if you're in the supermarket and somebody comes in with a baseball cap, you don't say, oh, look at the guy in the baseball cap. If somebody walks in with a cowboy hat, you're instantly going, look at that fucking idiot with a cowboy hat. <laughs> no, but would you, would you say, look at that badass in the cowboy hat? No, I'd definitely say fucking idiot. Or maybe not idiot. Like, look at that guy with the cowboy hat. I wonder where his mum is and if she knows he's out on his own. <laughs> yeah, I've also been looking at uh, replica guns as well and trying to see what I could get away with. There's a website that sells like replica guns, but you need to have like a license to say that you're either like in a historical reenactment society or that you're going to mo- use it in like a theatre production or in a movie. Uh, otherwise, you're not allowed to have it unless it's got like bright paint on it to show that obviously it's like not a real gun. You obviously can't just walk about with a replica gun. I, I know, but like, I thought maybe I could just have... No, <laughs> not walk about in the street. Just like having one. Just when I'm sitting watching the telly, just having one, just swinging it about in my hands and that. I, especially looking like a cowboy, because if anything, <laughs> that's the type of guy that will definitely shoot up a school. <laughs> uh, do you know, I've just never been more a time that I wanted to live in like 1891 in America. <laughs> I was just born in the wrong time. I finally figured out what, what time I was supposed to be born in. Anyway, the, the the gun website that I found says that it's it comes in like a yellow paint finish. Like there's seventy percent it needs to be covered in a bright colour, but their their version is peel off. So I just I just buy it and peel it off. You could also just buy it and paint it yourself. But well, the thing is, the thing is, uh, it's a, it's peel off. So it, so it's easier than putting crap paint on it. So I'll just I'll just peel it off and then hope I don't get arrested. I don't know what the charge is for having a replica gun. I don't know if it's serious or that. I don't know if they just take it off you and get a slap on the wrist. Scott, you could probably run about Asda bullet naked and get less less of a punishment than if you walked into Asda with a replica gun and a cowboy hat. <laughs> no, again, I'm not taking it outside. So why would you why would you bother spending that money on a cowboy hat and a replica gun just to stand in front of your mirror and pretend you're a cowboy? Have you ever even been at a farm? Have you yeah, ever interacted my, with cows? My imagination is the only thing I've got, alright? <laughs> yes, I've been in a farm. I used to live on next to a farm where there was a field uh, behind my house when I grew up. It had horses in it. So why didn't you just decide rather than be your current career, why not just be a cowboy? Well, I didn't figure this out when I was young, Liam. That's why I'm trying to have kids so that I can push my agenda on them. 
and they'll be cowboys and they'll get bullied at school they're definitely getting bullied at school <laughs> I'm 1 million percent of getting bullied <laughs> to be honest it's usually when you're a kid that you actually dream of being a cowboy obviously when you get to like 12 and realise that cowboy's not a real job unless you live in Texas <laughs> you kind of you grow out of it you've went backwards you've got to 30 and thought do you know what I know what I'll be a cowboy yeah I know I, know. I think I've got um, I've got a lot of uh, undiagnosed uh, emotional issues <laughs> Oh, you said it, not me. Welcome <laughs> to Scott and Liam vs. Evil, episode 89. I'm Liam. And I'm Scott. Oh, you should have called yourself like Cowboy Scott or I was, I was going to, I was Scotty going to, the Kid. Yeah, yeah I was, I, I, my, my name had come out my mouth before I uh, thought of that. Do you want to try it again? I'm Liam. <laughs> I can't say no. Just go, just go. <laughs> and he's Scotty the Kid, the Cowboy. And today is the, the Cowboy Bangers pick and you want to tell everyone what, what you've picked <laughs> I picked Insidious because you spurred me on to, uh, to, to pick Insidious um, uh, last episode by talking about it so here I am modern classic up to date just for, to start with did you say spurred because you're going to try and get a lot of cowboy references in and think I won't notice or was that a genuine <laughs> accident a bit of both a bit right, of both part. <laughs> oh fuck uh, Insidious <laughs> I know, I know you picked it because last episode I said, do you know what, I'm not doing the old horrors anymore, uh, I give up on you, and I don't like new modern horror, which is a bit of a sweeping statement, I like some, I actually quite like Insidious, the first yeah. two thirds, which we'll get into, but actually I, I don't mind it, I don't mind modern horror, but in the kind of weeks since the last episode I've actually been thinking, and you're not getting off that easy. So see, mm-hmm. because we're just about to get to the 60s, be prepared for the next three or four picks of mine are still probably going to be from the 60s. Some of them might be black and white, and it, it's happening. I'm no... I thought I would throw in the towel, but I regret that now. Okay. I'm prepared for your challenge. I'm prepared for your challenge. Yeah, I'm glad you're excited. Yeah. Uh, so, Insidious, directed by James Wan. Uh, it's from 2010. Uh, it stars Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne is a babe. Swing! Yeah. Swing! Tentpole! She's an ultimate swing. And she gets to, she hi- and she hides her Australian accent for about 90% of most films she's in. She does. Hold on, she speaks? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, also starring Ty Simpkins, Lynn Shea, and a selection of other people. The synopsis is, if you've not already seen Insidious, which... I doubt very much, but it's a family looks to prevent evil spirits from trapping their comatose children in a realm called the Further. I've read that wrong. It's a singular child. I've just made it children, but hey-ho. Uh, so we'll play the trailer now, and then we'll get into Insidious. Are you ready? Yeah. Sweetie? Morning, guys. <laughs> 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 He's not in a coma. They don't know what to call it.
comes through, there is something in there with him. I know someone who can help. We took Trifield and EMF readings of the whole house, wiring, alarm clocks. I don't think bad wiring is the problem here. I want to leave. I want to leave this house. What is it? It's not the house that's haunted. It's your son. Skiri. Det är modern horror det som är skiri i den perioden. Det är such a fucking dark. Nej, jag thought, I thought, when I was when I started watching this, I thought, have I done the right thing picking this film? I don't know. No, yes, I have. I have. It, it done something new. It wasn't a traditional ghost story. It made uh, horror royalty out of Lin Shay. And in twenty, thirty years, we'll be considered a classic the way that you kiss the bobs of all the Universal monsters just now. <laughs> Kiss the bobs. <laughs> that, that should be an actual verb. To kiss the bob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lynn Shea is great in this. Patrick Wilson's great. Rose Byrne is great. It is a good film. The first one. Yeah. And also, the, the wee boy in this, uh, Ty Simmons, he's got a sister like, that was in a... Is that the little girl from Anguish? Was in what? Anguish. Anguish, that's, I couldn't remember the name of it. The Fright Fest movie. Uh, and I was convinced that it was a transgender movie because I thought the brother was a sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Insidious, I've, I've got issues with the first one, but the the point I was making last time about the modern horror is the 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 constant sequels that kind of go all over the place. It was fine with Friday the Thirteenth. It was fine wait, wait, hold, hold, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. You you've got a problem with modern horrors sequels that go all over the place. A lot of yes. these, a lot of the old-fashioned movies used to pump sequels out in the same week that they made the first film because they thought it was going to be making more money. That is absolutely fine. I never picked <laughs> any of the sequels for a fucking episode, so that yeah, is not avoid. Just wait. All right, sorry. <laughs> fucking Hodger Weast cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my problem was that they go all over the place, and it obviously has cash ins. I think back then was different because it was way cheaper and easier to make a film. So, I they, they attempted sequels to cash in. If it didn't work, it didn't work. They weren't spending fucking mega multi millions that could be better spent on some wee indie movies rather than fucking Insidious 18. Especially if it's going to go all over the place. The old sequels, uh, like the Universal Monster things, at least slightly made sense. They kind of ran in a chronological order, whereas Insidious 1, 2 and 3, it's all different. Insidious 1 actually takes place at the end of all the other sequels. Yeah, but then that's sometimes quite interesting as well, because then when you watch the second one, when you get the whole part that ties into the, the first the scenes in this movie that we'll talk about when the door keeps open, that that's that's interesting to me. Mm. To you. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying all the sequels are perfect, and I'm not saying they don't end up with a lot of loopholes and uh, uh, plot holes and you know inconsistencies. But some of the things that happen that tie in one and two, it's like it, I, I think it's quite interesting. I think it's quite good. To um, the the thirty odd year old man who still wants to be a cowboy and thinks the Amazons in Africa, cool. Right. That makes me want to watch the sequels. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> hey, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> the, can you remember when you first seen this? Uh, wh- when did it come out? 2010. I might, have, I might have seen it in the cinema, I don't I don't recall. So my answer of, can you remember when you first seen this, is no. <laughs> is no, yes, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, I first, I went to see it in the cinema with a, a group of guys, a group of girls, total gangbang fest, mm. and I actually did get sweaty palms, and I've never done that in the cinema, and it wasn't because I was fucking smashed or baiting. <laughs> uh, incidentally, that is when you wear hot hands and masturbate. <laughs> Uh, but I get sweaty palms and the, the first two thirds I genuinely found quite creepy it did actually unsettle me in the cinema until that last third but I will always still hold this movie in a kind of a, a fonder regard because it's the first film that's actually made me feel kind of like scared to a stronger word but it did actually like fire the heebie-jeebies up me yeah so Let's go through your notes, because I, I would assume, being a 30-year-old cowboy, or 35-year-old, whatever you are, you're a cowboy, that this probably scared you. <laughs> this, this, yeah, it was, again, the same with probably like a lot of people who wouldn't watch this movie, because like, there's elements that do, do scare me. Like, I watch horror movies, I've said it a million times before, I watch horror movies to get scared, so... Like, I, I certainly don't, and I know you don't do this kind of either, but people who say, oh, I'm not scared of that, or oh, I laughed my way through that, I'm like, well, you've, where's the point then? You've just wasted your money. Like, <laughs> I mean, I want to be scared, that's the whole point. I like the feeling of shiting myself. So, you know, like... <laughs> Physically shiting yourself. Physically, aye. <laughs> well, you know that way, have you, ever, have you ever just been kind of kicking about the house before, and you need, like, a really big jobby, and you can feel it starting to come out your ass, but you're like... No, I'm going to finish doing this task. I'm going to finish doing that, and your body can almost try to push it out because you know you're in the safety of your house. You know you can get to the toilet. You're not going to actually shit yourself, but you can almost just you're just teasing your butt. It sounds like you're seriously playing with fire when you're in the house yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't, I don't see it as teasing my own butthole, but I, I think we've talked about it before where. If you go into like an empty room or you know you're in the house yourself, there is a party. It's like I actually really need a shit, but I think it's uh, see if there's a break in in the house. The police will always try and find the wee phantom shit because usually when like burglars go in, it's whether they are actually shitting themselves or the same reason when you're in an empty house, they have to find somewhere and shit. They've got to kind of empty themselves before they carry out the deed. So it's I such think a weird that... thing, isn't it? Because that totally <laughs> is the case to you. Like, if you walk around a place that you're not supposed to be in, or if it's, like, an office building after everybody's shut and everybody's left, it's like you, do, you get that feeling that you feel like you need to shit. And I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but I usually then, when that happens, I, I go to the toilet and I, <laughs> I relieve myself. I don't think, oh, do you know what? It'll be funny for the next two hours. Let's just tease my own butthole and... <laughs> And not do it. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Just ask for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So this, so this, uh, this movie. Right. Here we go. It starts off right now. First, I want to talk about Rose Byrne as well. We've already mentioned her, but she's a definitely a versatile actor. Schmergen. She's seamlessly excellent uh, in this and making us uh, scare the shit out of us. And then also, um, she's excellent in Bad Neighbors, making us laugh the piss out of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was not well put together. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, so this, I think the first scare they try and get you with is she walks into the living room and her books are off the bookshelf and they're on the floor. Like, scary? No, not yet. It's not. It's not uh, accompanied by any kind of sinister music or you know any tension to wrap it up. It's just silent. The books on the floor. But I guess 
it's probably a, 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 an idea to like in real life like because ghosts don't actually exist and because nothing runs like the same way like an actual movie does so if ever some if you hear a, a noise in your house or whatever you just ignore it you ignore the first couple it doesn't really scare you you just think that must have been an obvious explanation and it's just a tiny wee, uh, observation there but it's it just you know like that's the books on the floor picks them up puts them away yeah right uh it's a lovely big american house it makes us think that the american dream is still alive <laughs> even though the mum's australian you watch movies in such a strange way that this is your notes. <laughs> she walks into the basement and uh, the the furnace lights itself. It's very Home Alone. You know it is very Home Alone. And see that, yeah. that, see that scene in Home Alone? That scared me as a kid, see when the, the furnace is talking to him. Mm-hmm. But you imagine having that huge, awesome big house and you have to light your own furnace. How would you want to light it? Is this the, more of the American dream? Yeah, no, I just, want slaves, I, Scott? Just rather... Oh. <laughs> No, no, no. That's one thing I've felt watching like different cowboy films and stuff. I watched Django Unchained last night for the first time, and I would not be—I would like never be a slave owner ever. Just so, but I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> I'd never say the N word either. The thing is, uh, for 89 episodes, the fact that you've now admitted that you'd never want to be a slave owner is still very little consolation for everything else that we've said in the past. But well, I still stand by that. Like that, I would just stand there insulting everybody in the bar. I wouldn't be owning anybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I I would just want to have a, a boiler, you know, that lights itself, like I've got in my house. All right, I thought you meant. I, I genuinely did think you meant you you would have somebody in the house that would, was in Do charge of me. lighting them. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no. a boiler. No. <laughs> um, I said so. I, so I said this movie. I bet you the basement and attic are huge spaces, and there's no live, nobody living in it. They always do this in American houses: big, massive basements, big, massive attics, and they're just like junk rooms. Yeah. Which is weird for the basement because you can understand maybe the the, the attic isn't that warm, so they'll do what they stay in it, but the basement, that's where the furnace is, so that'll be the warmest room in the house, so surely everybody would want to congregate there. Yeah, you could make like really cool rooms, like, like there's plenty of like really smart rooms you could make in these spaces. Aye. Just some people are just fucking idiots, so that's why. Um, but you th- what are you thinking, like games rooms? Games rooms, like- cinema rooms, uh... It's a big fake horse and you can just ride it about like a cowboy? Yeah, like you get a big screen on the uh, on the front wall and uh, you've got like a kind of, yeah, like a, a horse like simulator and you just pretend like you're right and it's just like a, the screen just projects like the Wild West and you just ride your horse about. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? See when, see when they invent total immersion video games, by the way, oh my God, I'm just going to save up all my money and just lock myself in a, in a room just plug myself into the wild west I'd probably end up just being you really could always I'd end up just being like a farmer or something I'd probably just get shot with yeah, a, like a like a like a like a what do you call it like a rogue bullet <laughs> is, that, is that what happens with farmers are they are they usually caught yeah, in crossfire yeah because, because uh, guns were so shit back then that you could just they could stand like in front of each other and shoot like 10 bullets and they would just fly off in all different directions I thought you meant like now as opposed to back in the Wild no, West. No, back in the Wild West, obviously. If you're back in the Wild West, you would be a prostitute. You'd be one of those pretty pretty boys that sells himself to the older men. But you still have to dress like a lady because being gay is not allowed yet. Even though they, they still want to do it. What was that in? Oh, The Alienist. <laughs> That's where I'm getting that from. There's loads of pretty boys in dresses because oh, obviously some guys want to fuck wee boys. But 
they're not really allowed to, so they still got to make them look like the girls. Seeing, seeing everybody that can like be a pretty boy who can dress up as a girl for the sake of letting a guy who doesn't want to see his gay bum me, I'm the opposite of pretty boy. I think I do not fit the pretty boy, the wee pretty boy, uh, like a Bangkok lady boy style at all. Like I think you would know straight away that I am a six foot five bearded man. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Uh, so she comes through. They've, they've just moved in this house, so there's a lot of stuff in uh, boxes still. And the mum comes through. Have you seen my sheet music? And he says, I don't know. I know we packed them. She says, I know I packed them. Fucking hell, how passive aggressive is she? <laughs> uh, what did I tell you? She goes up the attic, huge empty attic space. Yep. Dalton's. I suppose you have, to, you have to have a room to store stuff. What do you do in your loft apart from film uh, little movies? <laughs> <laughs> no, give me that. Do you know that? <laughs> really? Yeah, he said he was going to put it in the movie, and it never happened. Uh, a prep? I, I, no, we're not telling anybody that story. I, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I prep. I keep all my prep stuff up my left. Brilliant! You've now just revealed to the world where all your prepping supplies are. So when the world goes to shit, they know that if they go up Scott's loft, he's going to have like rice and water and. See, well, see if the world goes to it. shit and anybody comes in my front door they've got to be met by a 6 foot 5 guy dressed like an 1890s cowboy and they've got to be like I'm fucking staying away from that house I wear a replica gun painted yellow <laughs> a replica gun <laughs> no because I've peeled off they won't know it's replica you, you, just, you look at it and think there's a good chance that could be real I'm out of here <laughs> uh, anyway back to the movie <laughs> uh, Dalton screams in the attic and then there's like banging piano keys is scary music now it does kind of work it's kind of jolting and it's like like screams right at you it's especially scary with uh, headphones on mm-hmm. now it would be quite scary I think if you, if like, your kid just didn't wake up now this is what's happened he's fell off this ladder and then the next day he doesn't wake up the parents think he's in a coma he's had some kind of head injury but like it would be terrifying yeah you know especially after like they do they take it by the doctors and they do the, the scans and they say there's there's nothing like physically wrong with them that I, we don't know why this has happened no, I don't have kids, obviously, but I can imagine even just when they hurt themselves, like in the slightest way, it's terrifying. Because I know what would happen if the cat hurt himself. I'd, yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, Boris just was like sleeping forever. Why? Why would you even say that? Well, exactly. Look how scared you are, dear. I, I, I do. I feel, I feel sick in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I can understand that the, the yeah. their child being in a coma is quite worrying and troublesome for them. Um, so the, it c- continues um, when she's just trying to tidy up the house, and then she hears whispering over the baby monitor. And they've got they've got two kids, they've got two sons about between one's about five and six, and the other one's about seven or eight, say that do, and they've got a baby. Um, so she hears whispering over the baby monitor. It's quite creepy. It's, I think it's like there's nothing you can do, and. It's like, sorry, my, my notes are a wee bit scattered here, but I've got it. Uh, so he hears, she hears the whisper, and she stands at the bottom of the stairs as this kind of interference and whispers coming over, like the, um, come over the baby monitor, and then it shouts, and then the baby cries. I mean, like, why, wait a fucking minute, why does it take her for, like, to hear the voice shouting for it to run up the stairs? One man whispering on the monitor, and I'd be up there to chuck Norris the fuck out of him straight away. Like, I wouldn't, there'd be no even any question. <laughs> Maybe she's got in her head, though, that there's been, like, that rapid puberty syndrome, where it's actually the baby, he's just got the deepest, manliest voice, <laughs> and she's going up there, and he's just hanging over the cot with a cigar, just like, happening, mum. Yeah, get another serious dag in my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that is done quite well in the cinema, they, they obviously, they, 
they kind of shout is cranked right up, and it does yeah. it does get you as as far as jump scares go. It's it's one of the better ones. Yeah, um, they make it a creepy scene because uh, Dalton and his brother share a bedroom, and the younger boy um, who's awake has says to his dad, "Can I like move into a different bedroom?" And he says, "No, you need to stay stay like here, stay in this room. You need to look after Dalton." And he says. Uh, Dalton walks around at night and says, I'll take creepy shit that kids say for 200, please, Alex. <laughs> I'd be like, no fucking way. Absolutely not. Coma boy is just getting up in the middle of the night and walking around. <laughs> Coma boy. <laughs> yeah, see, see, I don't know. See, if it was your brother, you'd maybe, be, you'd maybe feel like you had to protect him. So there'd maybe be something you, you actually would want to watch over him at night. If it was in real life and I was and Stephen was in a coma and in the middle of the night he got up and walked around, I'd just, like in real life, you'd be like, Right, what's your end game? You're at it. What are you playing at? <laughs> in the middle of the night, they hear chapping. This wakes them up in the middle of the night. Now, chapping at night when you're in bed, that is why you've got a bat under your bed. Do you have a bat under your bed? Well, I should. I keep meaning to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> For such an occasion. See, I, I thought about that, but see, by the time I swing a bat, somebody's got that off me. I need something that they can't like, reach in and grab. Like, like a gun? No, like an axe. Oh, if I swing a gun, yeah. they're going to get that off me as well. It's got to be so. What are you fucking swinging a gun for? Be- oh, because they don't actually fire over here, right? Because okay, it's a replica, so what are you going to do? Yeah. Shoot them with a blank? Yeah. So if you if you swing an axe, they can't just grab that, because even like diving their hand in, they're going to get hurt. A bat they can grab, and a gun they can grab, so I think we should just go to home base and just tool up with axes. Yeah. In case people break out of houses, not just to like go out in the you streets. Can, and you can also, if you go to like a home base, you can get uh, machetes. I know, but they don't. Well, they do sell you them, but I think they put you on a list. So if there's any, machete- no, you, no, you just need to buy it. Like you just like so. What is it? You just uh, like oh, you, oh, you just talk about Japanese knotweed when you're at the uh, checkout, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, he's just got really bad Japanese knotweed uh, <laughs> problem in his garden. That's why he's chopped up. But what's with the big tarpaulin <laughs> and, and the gloves <laughs> and the hazmat suit? <laughs> Oh, Japanese not weed man. <laughs> Remember the story of the, the Megabar when they kicked that boy out and he went to Asda and bought a pair of scissors and came back and stabbed him? Yeah, do you remember that, eh? That was wild. That's that's yeah. where I discovered that home base and B&Q and stuff is actually a really dangerous place in Lanarkshire because everybody's fucking mental. Yeah. <laughs> it's the world, man. We're only holding it together just barely. Yeah. Uh, anyway... Yeah, so they hear the chapter at night back to this scene and um, he goes up to investigate. I said, also, in real life, I never go out that early. <laughs> <laughs> I lie in bed and pretend to sleep for ages until eventually Lauren says, what is that? And then I need to get up and even then I'm still like... Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, so here's another thing. There's a tired trope. I don't know why. Wait, it's, why do people bang torches? Bang? Oh, as in to, to get that, them going? <laughs> yeah, does that work? Like, just, just switch it on or switch it off. I think it actually does see if the because if you get a cheap torch, the the kind of connection bit can be quite loose. So probably buying it might actually then connect it to the battery and turn it on. There probably is an actual logical reason behind it. In old movies, maybe not so much now. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, now this is where one of the scariest scenes in the whole movie happens. He's went downstairs to investigate. Like there's the, do- the front doors lying open and the. Uh, the house alarm's gone off and all the rest of it, and he's been downstairs to investigate this. Um, I can't really remember the order of this because my notes, again, I think are a wee bit back to front, but the first note I've got is this scary scene. The mum goes into the baby crib room and 
there's a man standing behind the crib, like behind the kind of netting, and you can't really see him, but you see his face. You, like I can't remember the first time I watched it if I noticed it when the music went, when she notices it, or if I noticed it straight away. Obviously, this time I knew what was happening, so I noticed it straight away. But I'm sure the first time I watched it, I followed like. the camera follows from behind her and she's looking down at the crib at the baby and she walks into the room so you can notice her body language and your eyes are following where she's following and then the music goes and you you look at you scan the whole scene and you see the face before it quickly cuts away and then um, the dad comes running up the stairs to help and by this point the the vision the person's disappeared but so I think it's done really really well it's fucking terrifying and, and like I'm sure I've seen this in the cinema but certainly that scene is certainly one of the ones you remember it, it was one of the ones that also gave me the weekend of, oh and the fucking shit bags <laughs> like I did, yeah. I, did get, I did get a wee fright because it's so quick it's so unsettling it's scary it's still not necessarily supernatural yet because it could be a home invader and it disappears just as quick as it happens so you don't really have any time to process what's happening because then the scene continues again when the, the house alarm goes off again. He's back down the stairs and the, he's shut the door. He's padlocked it and he's checking the whole room and then the doors open again. Um, one of the things I have to say about him checking the house, though, there's like wide shots of the whole kind of living area that gives you from the front door through the living room into the dining room and then kind of almost through into the kitchen the way that the, the house is set up. It's it's a good uh, scene because as he's turning on the lights and checking the house, you can't really see what's going on. You're seeing as much as he is and there's I'm sure there's a kind of coat rack in the corner that this time I was watching it, I was like... Is that I can't remember if that's a person or not, or even if it's if it's one of those things uh, Mike Flanagan's doing just now and they're done in the uh, Hunting of Hill House when there's ghosts and images in the background that don't matter to the story, mm-hmm. they're just there. So I was like trying to see is that like a, is that a person there that's like he they won't find this person, but is there somebody standing there? I think it was just a coat rack, but I assume it's probably placed there on purpose to give that impression. Like is that somebody? But then all I could think is why why did none of these rooms have a big light? Well, maybe they just moved in and they had no, no switch to uh, electricity on yet. Is that a thing that American houses don't have? Because they seem to, like, I'm sure that's a thing in movies, they just have a lot of wee lamps. Like, did American listeners, do you not have big lights? Do you know what I mean when I say big lights? <laughs> if I say put on the big light, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, it's just, exactly. it's just a, like a light in the ceiling. <laughs> the big light? <laughs> the big light. Uh, the thing that you said about the, the coat rack that probably is just because that that first scare gets you on edge the alarm then brings you even further to the edge of your seat so I, every little shadow you are scanning like fucking vigorously to try and find out what is going on so it probably just is in there for a wee kind of a wee red herring like oh have yeah. you seen something oh no it's only a coat rack calm down yeah, and then he goes back round to the front door, and the front door's open again. And if that was me, I'd have done a big jobby in my pajama long legs. <laughs> what do you wear to bed? Is it like a one piece thing, or is it is it just just pajama trousers? Just pajama long legs, eh? Yeah. Hmm. I always wondered. I always like sometimes I sit there and just think, I wonder what Scott's wearing to bed. <laughs> Although, again, time time back to my my cowboy phase. I have been watching a lot of uh, westerns and quite a lot of the tropes is when they go to bed they wear those kind of entire like onesies like those red kind of onesies with the, with the butt flaps <laughs> I'm going to see if I can find one of them <laughs> don't don't bother because uh, as soon as your birthday comes up I will have you one <laughs> <laughs> with a butt flap yeah with a butt flap <laughs> actually I want a butt flap that's got a wee cartoon cowboy on it like pounding his guns <laughs> if I don't if I can't find one I'll make one right uh, now where are we we cut to scene, we find out um, Patrick Stewart is, or the dad, is a teacher of some sorts, 
and on his blackboard the jigsaw's face is drawn yep. uh, we Billy the Puppet obviously James Wan and uh, Lee Winnell made this those made both movies yep. so that's why I remember actually um, I remember first seeing that when I, uh, I came to see it in the pictures and thinking that was the surface. Why the fuck was why was James Wan mentioned? Didn't realise James Wan directed it. Hadn't paid attention at all. Uh, yeah. So it was only after that I thought, ah, well, I spotted it. I win. <laughs> it was quite. It was. It was pretty hidden, wasn't it? Yeah, it was quite obvious actually. See, so watching back, it's <laughs> it's slapped by in your face. It's the first thing you notice. <laughs> yeah. So he's been sleeping late at school or sleep, falling asleep at school, but I don't fucking know, you know if you can fall asleep at school. But anyway. Um, <laughs> The, the mum totally thinks that he's banging uh, a teacher or a student. Aye. Although, what does, who's he teaching? High school kids? Fuck it. It's just been done before. He's a professor, so I would assume it's high school or college kids. Yeah. Uh, also, he says he's working late to pay for the medical bills, and I thought, still, fuck that, man. Fuck life. We're the only animal on earth that pays to live here. It's fucking nonsense. And, it's, and that's, obviously, we've got the luxury right now of the NHS, but for how long? before it becomes private and we need to pay for our own healthcare and <laughs> our own insurance. Because see, really, if I had the choice, right now I don't have any choice. If I'm, I'm earning, so I need to pay national insurance, which is technically my health insurance, which is technically probably like if you had proper insurance over in America, you would, that's how it'd work. However, I think that you maybe get the bill first and then the insurance company pays out. Some Like the same way sometimes if you're in a car accident, you pay for it first and then you get reimbursed. Um, you need to pay a shit ton of money, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, mm. for like to go A and E. But I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if American A and E's are jam packed full of fucking morons the way ours are. Because see, if you had to pay to go, nobody would go. See, folk are there for stubbed pinkies and fucking runny noses. I think that's kind of a lot of the arguments, like against the NHS, kind of been a thing. That it, it, if it, if it is privatised, then it would actually do away with a lot of these fucking hypochondriac time wasters that go yeah. in and do just pollute the doctor surgeries. You try and get a fucking appointment at your local GP and you are weeks away. They don't even answer the phone unless you phone between half eight and nine and you're not getting an appointment. And that is just because the fucking guy up the road has had a sore ankle, a sore toe, a sore knee. It's, it's ridiculous. So maybe that is the only good thing about the American medical system. I'm kind of for it. See if, we, see if we've got a way to root out the lazy, entitled bastards of the world. <laughs> then I'm for it. Wait, we don't know. You know well, in fact, you, yeah. that's what your cowboy mission could be. You and your could replica be. gun just go out and kill all the lazy ones. <laughs> the ones that are actually like lazy by choice, not ones that are lazy due to... They're not, well, obviously they're not lazy, but the ones that are like don't work due to illness or disability they're fine we don't want to kill them it's the fucking right lazy ones that we do we should also we should also um, clarify the line as well for what constitutes as uh, unwell let's just in fact let's not even touch that fucking firework let's just <laughs> let's just move on uh, no, sometimes sometimes I've, like I think I am I, do you know when people call themselves a walking contradiction I think that I am genuinely that's exactly what I am I hate society but I love rules I hate <laughs> <laughs> I hate the Tories, but I love some of their policies. <laughs> you hate old movies, but you uh, you love Night of the Dead. <laughs> well, no, the remake. Uh, I've never actually seen the original. Don't worry, that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> right, back to this. She then says that. So after he says that he's been working late to pay the pay the 
the bills and whatever else. And um, she's like, all you do, all you do is avoid stressful situations. It's like I avoid stressful situations. My rug is like the fucking dunes of the Sahara Desert. There's so much shit swept under it. <laughs> I say uh, that, that kind of makes me worried for you, Scott. <laughs> if you ever need to talk, there's like people in the group you can talk to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a handprint appears on the window, and then Rose wakes up out of a dream with echoing screams. Nah, that, that didn't work. That scene didn't work. It wasn't scary. But is that the bit where the guy's walking back and forth in front of the window? No, that's next. Right, cool. That's next. So she wakes up, she wakes up from that dream, and then she looks... And she sees the man behind the window walking back and forth, like on a kind of balcony or whatever, or maybe walking thin air. I don't really know how the house works. I can't remember what the outside of it looks like. And he walks back, and then he walks in. He's seen inside the window, and it's a shock. It's quite good, but what I remember it is, I remember it is like as if they'd done something that you could you could physically see where he was outside, and then he's inside. Like if he came out from behind the curtain, but watching it this time they basically just have a scene of him walking outside the window and then walking from outside of shot into it like there's no there's no practical effects it's just simply one scene there's a guy outside the window next scene is like probably even as a continuous take it's another guy inside the house like just walks into shot do you know what I mean I I remember it in my head as it was some kind of clever technique that looked as if he came through the wall but it's simply just a guy just walks in front of the camera accompanied by music but it it does kind of work this one I thought while watching it for the first time, I, I did think he, he came from behind the curtain. Uh, yeah. So I did, I, it did get me. But I had sleep paralysis like a couple of times uh, when I lived in the old house. And one of the times when I was awake, it was obviously I can't move. You can't, like, no matter how much you try to scream, you can't get anything out. And there was somebody going by the window back and forth, back and forth. And obviously I was on the second floor. So it kept going. And I'm just kind of looking, I can't move. And then the thing, whatever it was, came in the window and just came gliding straight up to the bed. And I remember it being the most fucking terrifying thing I had ever seen. And it was like two weeks after I'd watched Insidious. So it's definitely this movie that fucked up and gave me sleep paralysis for that <laughs> those few times. But that scare then still gets me because I remember, I remember the fear I felt being asleep but not quite asleep. That shit was fucking crazy, man. Have you ever had it? No, yeah, I've had something that I think could be described as sleep paralysis. There was one particular time that I remember uh, dreaming that I was I was drowning, I couldn't breathe, and I, I remember like waking up, like taking a deep breath as if whatever's happened, but I couldn't breathe in like real life. And uh, another time I was having a dream. It's such a bizarre, bonkers dream. I was in the old dentist I used to go to, and I was up against the the reception desk, and a man like in my dream, Manny Allison was there with me, and she was squashing me against the the wall and I couldn't breathe again I couldn't breathe and I woke up with a deep breath that's, that's my only experience that I feel like was paralysis because I was like aware that there was something happening like I was aware that this panic was setting in and I couldn't do anything about it and then eventually I woke up with like a proper taking a deep breath and there's such a relief getting that breath in but it's the only kind of times I can remember that I could perhaps think that it was sleep paralysis see that's why I don't really sleep that's why I sleep like three hours a night because I'm terrified it's going to come back and get me <laughs> Do you know, just like sleep was just the most bizarre thing in the whole entire world anyway? Like, could you just imagine, like, just imagine you could walk about, like, silently, right, and nobody could know, and you could just, like, walk in. Do you imagine just walking about, like, a, a housing scheme at, like, two in the morning, right? Just, like, on a Wednesday morning, right? And all the houses are in blackness, and every single person in those houses, there's at least two people probably in every house in a bedroom just sleeping. Their bodies are just lying down with their eyes shut, and all the lights are off. Do you know, I think that's just bizarre. 
Is this <laughs> not really? No. Just do you know? Just think about it. Like everybody just goes off into sleep at the same time. Like everybody just shuts off, and they're just their bodies just lie there with their eyes shut, and they don't know what's going on around about them, and it feels like it's a lot faster than it actually is, and then they wake up the next day and they just go on with their lives again. I don't think it's as bizarre as you think. I think like see if you could imagine the way that I'm imagining it right now, and you could just put it into that like scope of how bizarre it actually is. Like, see, you, if you could walk into the bedrooms and you would, you or you would, you would so need to shit if you were in and just didn't watch to sleep. You would need to shit so bad. That's actually a thing. If you were out in the street thinking about all the people in the house that are sleeping, you just need to just sit, squat down and just have a wee shit right there on the road. <laughs> you totally would, wouldn't you? <laughs> right, now, so when the man comes from outside the window to inside the window, she screams and uh, the dad comes running in or wakes up or whatever. And, and he. She tries to explain him what's just happened. And he's like, right, there isn't anybody there. And she goes, don't you dare not believe me. And we just have to believe her. But uh, if, if the guy saw it, she'd be like, no, I don't believe you. You're nuts and whatever, you know, whatever else. <laughs> Quality, eh? We've got a long way to go, man. <laughs> I'm also not touching that firework. <laughs> <laughs> now, the next day, uh, again, dad's away to work. Uh, stay-at-home mum is fixing about the house. And... Uh, can't remember what song she's listening to. She's listening to some song and she takes out some trash or washing or whatever outside. And as she goes outside, she can't really hear the music anymore and it's <laughs> record scratch and Tiny Tim's tiptoe through the tulips starts playing. The ter- most terrifying song of all time. Yes <laughs> and no. This time, yes. Excellent use of Tiny Tim. And then the wee dancing coal miner. <laughs> now, this is the thing, right? Now, She's outside, she, she turns around and she kind of sees through the window and then she sees the wee guy at the record player like dancing along. Now, it was strange they used CGI for this rather than like a real kid, but it does give the whole thing an otherworldly feel. Yeah. Like, it, it does make it kind of... So I just like, it, it does kind of... It creeps you out, but at the same time it also takes you out of the idea that it's, you know, there's somebody in our house. But... So, like, I'm not, I'm not for or against it as such. I just think it's, it's a strange. I don't know exactly how I feel about it, but it is quite a creepy scene just because of that weird song. Um, but when she comes into the house and she chases him around the house, she's again like with the first scene that I was talking about about the books on the floor with no sinister music to accompany her mentioning it. She chases him about the house in silence. Now, that's the way it would be in real life. You don't have scary music accompanying you walking around. Yeah. And I think that makes it kind of excellent, and it makes it tense and scary. What I don't get about that scene, though, is the the, the whole movie is about the, the demons and the, the father, or the father, whatever it's called, trying to get in. So they're trying to get in and overtake a body. So how come this wee coal miner boy has managed to beat all these demons and get in just to run about daft, play Tiny Tim and hide in a cupboard? How has he beat every other demon in the real world? Yeah, that's like a good point. To, to me, that just seems so stupid. Where if the whole movie is about them trying to overtake this kid's body and come in, how come this wee boy's done it and nobody? Like, he just ran out of cupboard and then ran away again. I I don't I don't have an answer for you. I I agree with you. And when she started speaking after I was just talking with the wee boy, I thought like. That's my my thought went. I thought that's that's what you're going to say, and then you're right. Like I don't. There's it's a kind of plot hole in terms of what the father actually is, how it relates to the real world, and you know, like 
who's who's in it? Yeah. Is it ghosts? Is it is it like hell supposed to be or heaven? Is that supposed to be where we go and we die or or what is it? it do, it's not quite clear. Is it, there's a lot of kind of purgatory things about like in Bruges, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that was a joke. There is definitely not any fucking purgatory vibes, and this is nothing like in Bruges. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> now the the dad's mum has a dream. Uh, shows the demon in the corner of the room behind behind the then dad when he was a kid. Because apparently, when they find out that the kid, the dad as a kid, used to have like these long sleeps or whatever and nightmares and all the rest of it. And she had walked in and seen the demon in the corner. It's quite dark. And you don't really see it. There's just hints of kind of black and red, and he's just standing. He points at the dad. Now, I think it's scary as fuck, and I think it works really, really well. And I think, and you're one of these people. People are too quick to dismiss it as shit and say, "Oh, death mall." <laughs> the first time it was way scary, just because he's got some red in his face. Looks nothing like death mall. I, that first scene is. I, I I agree with that. I, I enjoyed that. It came out of the blue. And it looked good. You didn't see the full monster. You seen a tiny bit of it, and it worked. It's the it's what happens later on that I've got issues with. Right. Um, so this is when we get uh, they they invite the most haunted crew to come to the house because they, they obviously they're saying you know this is not real. There's something supernatural happening here. So Specs and Tucker turn up, and Specs is Lee Wano, um, who again was the person we talked about before who wrote uh, Saw. Yeah. And maybe wrote this, I'm not sure, but certainly acted in it. And acted in Saw as well. He was one of the guys chained up. I'm sure, um, I'm sure he is the writer in this. I think it is like the him and James Wan are the kind of yeah. director and writer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they bring about comic relief. Is it needed? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. It probably uh, set you up for the fucking laugh riot that's going to happen in the last third. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 so the tone slightly shifts here. Now, uh, then, uh, this is when Tucker sees, like, some actual ghost squeeze wee machine or whatever, like, creepy girl standing in the, the corridor, which is kind of scary. And he says, uh, we need to get, because they're supposed to go and investigate first and see if it's worth Elise's time for turning up. He says to get Elise. And then she comes in with her iconic voice. Um, now, that was, that, was, that was a total iconic voice there. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't, I can't even I can't do an impression if that's what you're waiting on. <laughs> that's exactly what I was waiting on. And I think everybody listening was waiting on that. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to let you down. I can't I can't even think of like a sentence she says that um, would, would help me. <laughs> uh, I just remember a wee saggy tits and there's something about <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is going to be another uh, episode that ends with you saying, I can't believe I said we saggy tits. Specs draws the demon, it's pretty good. And this is when she said uh, the, comic line, uh, the iconic line, it's not the house that's haunted, it's your son. And then she starts talking about astral projectors. Now, is this is that made up science? No, I, She's think, like, I think you can astral. Well, that, some people can. Some people think think they can. What I have heard, and I don't know where it was from, and I could have made it up, is if you if you do the, the sleep paralysis thing, if you or you wake up in the morning and you feel that you can't move, it's because you're actually, your spirit's still somewhere else, so whoever you think about in that moment, you'll appear to them. It's never happened to me to now try, because I, I think it's like, some people get it, they wake up, and for ages they just lie awake and can't move. They're not really seeing anything scary, they just can't move. And I think 
if it ever happened to me, it's you that I would think about. Just so you could, <laughs> just so you could tell me if I'd seen you or not. And I, right, okay. and I hope to fuck you're doing something right, quietly when I when I appear. <laughs> just so you've got to tell me, like, well, there I was with my finger up my ass, and you were in the corner of the room, and it'd be brilliant. You know, I'm just gonna be standing there wearing, wearing nothing but a cowboy hat and a gun belt, just <laughs> quick drawn in the middle. Pew pew. <laughs> Is that just at, at any point you're not at work? That's what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Eh? <laughs> Uh, so she says. Uh, so Elise says about the astral projectors. I like to call them travellers. So like, no, those are uh, those are gypsies. Him. <laughs> this is when she describes the further. Um, is the further accurate? Would it be called the further, or would it be called the farther? Because it's farther than this plane. I don't know what's grammatically correct. I don't know. I kind of being Scottish, I, I uh, bastardise the Queen's English quite often, so I don't really know. Yeah. Um, she then says uh, there are others wanting his body with more insidious intentions as it's a first direct reference to the talent, uh, the title of the movie which is something I always noticed but I think it was from when I done media studies in school like they, they pointed out that if or maybe it was doing English when it was in a book I think it was an English teacher that pointed out she made a point of like pointing out when titles of pieces of art were directly referenced I don't know what it means I always say it's a daft unless it's done as a it's like a kind of spoof reference where, like, die zombie bastards. They'll go, die zombie bastards, and it's a wee nod and a wee chuckle that, oh, they've named the movie. I think when they do it in a serious film, it's a wee bit daft. Apart from, like, Schindler's no. List, where obviously they've got to reference Schindler's List. Yeah, well, see, that's, that's the thing, though, because, I mean, she's, like, this one, it's not daft in this one because she's saying that they're getting serious intentions, which is what they do have, which is then essentially just what the film's called because of that. Yeah, I still find it a wee bit daft. Alright. Rose Burns' Aussie accent comes out in her stress crying acting. Right. Right. So I'm just I'm just 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 letting her know. Rose, it's noted. <laughs> I saw it. I heard it. Like she is going to have listened to the fifty minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah. that has preceded this. I think she would have checked out at the have you ever just looked needed a wee shite and just tickle your own butthole? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she I think Rose would be in it. I think she'd be laughing away. <laughs> Aussies have got a good sense of humour. <laughs> so, so, like, Elise says a couple of things and then they go into Dalton's bedroom and all it takes is some drawings that he done that vaguely tie into what Elise tells him. And then she says, when they sit around the table, you're going to see a lot of things you won't understand, but don't question it. And I was like, the whole thing sounds very charlatan to me. Like, in real life, this would be totally, like, a, like just money stealing. Yeah. Uh, and then she puts on a gimp mask. That is, I don't understand that. I don't. Yeah. Get why she needs the gas mask at all. Then uh, this whole scene, this whole seance scene where she's in the gas mask mumbling away and Specs is listening and writing down, like translating what she's saying. And then uh, Tucker's like taking photos and is, I don't know if he's setting off the flashbulb or if they're going off randomly, but it's like it's like a strobe light effect, like a slow strobe light that speeds up and like a greenish tinge to the whole thing. It's a pretty creepy experience and I think it would be really good in the cinema. It- I remember it being creepy and weird, but I just don't, and especially now with the kind of years of hindsight and sequels, that why did she need the gas mask this time? But every other time she puts herself into the, the further, that she doesn't need the gas mask. Why is it only a one-off thing? Yeah. It's just that it's an plot hole like the wee boy where it's like, why even why put that in? I get it's to add creepiness, but then keep it up that right the mask is for 
X and we need to use it every time we're trying to communicate with ghosts. Don't just throw it on or go, oh, that's creepy, and then never use it again because it's just, it, it just seems stupid. Yeah. Although I've always wanted to use one of those, have you seen the gas mask, like big giant bongs? Where it's like the bong attached to the mouth. Yeah. I've always wanted to use one of them. And that's kind of all I thought about when I was watching this, thinking, I'm going to buy one of them and just just try it. I'll probably end up seriously hurting myself because I'm a lightweight, but surely it's got to be some buzz. Yeah, I would assume so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she's, she's in communicating with the father, trying to find Dalton, and she's like, Dalton, can you find your way out? And Dalton said there was no way. It's Dalton. I just I like, it's Dalton Irish. like... I sometimes like to do the Norwegian characters for Family Guy. Is that was that Norwegian there? Yeah, I thought it was funny in my head when I wrote these notes out, but it didn't really work, did it? It was too fully Irish. I was wondering who Dalton was. Right. No, you know how the <laughs> you know how the you know the two surfer guys. No. And then I went home and I was going to bone my girlfriend, and she said there was no way. See, that sounds more Norwegian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. I'm not cutting that all about in. <laughs> hey, that's all about. <laughs> now, so. Dalton's up and punching specs. Like, has he been possessed already? I don't. I don't know. I think it's meant to be that yeah, one of the demons has is starting to take over. Right. Because he's been in the coma for like three months, which you'd think, to be honest, by that point, the the demon would be using him like a filthy wee hand puppet man. The, the demon would be well established in that body. Yeah, because if you think about it, right, so basically what you've got when they describe the further is you've got like hundreds of these demon people and then you've got like well we'll call him the Darth Maul demon and you've got the Darth Maul demon who's got a big fucking like lair and he's got a whole big fucking house in there like he's properly like actively working and living in the further you've got and then you find the story that the dad has been like possessed by this old woman who's kicking about the further so how come like an old woman is trying to get the dad but this like proper living breathing working demon is trying to get the wee boy and none of them can manage it they're all fucking shit at getting them I think it's just I think it's a free for all so see when you go into the the furler it's like whoever gets close to you and just I assume just decides that they're taking you like with so it, how come no, well, so then how come then the, the demon takes so long like surely like the demon would win everybody like get win over everybody but I think they're only wanting the I, I, I genuinely don't know. I think the, the, the Darth Maul demon then has kind of other demons working for him that stop the dad getting in. So maybe it's just like whoever, maybe the, the dark black bride lady, maybe she's actually like right off her head and when the dad came in, the big Darth Maul demon went for it and it's like, oh, fuck off, this guy's mine. She's like, alright, fine. She went, right, you can have the Wayne in future. So maybe now he's just like, ah, well, the Wayne's mine. Maybe she's a right bitch. Yeah. When they talk about it, when they, when you give you the backstory of the dad, and the mum's like saying, at first I thought it was a camera problem, and then I saw it again. It's like, it's a full-on old woman. And the pictures, it's not even close to being explained by being a camera problem or anything. It's like a proper woman reaching out and grabbing your son. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Back to Jessup's, there's something in this lens, by the way. Every time I take a picture... Every time I take a picture of him, just Victorian people keep appearing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, Elise remembers the dad that he used to astral project because she made him block it out 
because so he would never do it again or something along those lines and he gets sent back in to go after Dalton and she says don't draw attention to yourself in there don't let them know that you're there <laughs> me straight away I'd be like oh fucking shit where the fuck am I and who the fuck are you doll looking cunts <laughs> but where did they get the lamp he just did he just manifest it out of nowhere yeah like did, yeah, did he bring that in with him can you yeah when you astral project can you take things into the projection yeah. I don't know also, why did they why, why did they choose a creepy lamp and not like a mag light? Because then that would it give off more light, and also you could use it as a weapon against the Darth Maul demon. Yeah, it's just impractical to take a yeah. an old lantern. A ghost woman walks out when he steps into his house. Shat myself. <laughs> now he keeps shouting hello. She was she specifically told him to be quiet. He's obviously not not listening. And that's the reason he's in this fucking mess in the first place. That's true. Uh, there's a greeting woman. That's quite scary. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a crying woman always is. <laughs> yeah. Um, you give it full immersed attention because it's god-awfully scary. Like, you see the whole part where he's walking around and the, the strange 50s stationary people in the living room, like, that's there and they're they're moving, but they're not they're not doing anything. They're just standing there. That, that's, that was something completely new when I watched it. Is, maybe it's not 100% new. It's relevant. It's uh, reminiscent maybe of like a Twilight Zone thing or, you know, there was a set on episode of Twilight Zone I watched where like time had stopped and everybody was just standing still. So it's not fully brand new, but it felt like something completely new in terms of the ghost story. And it, I just, it did. It scared the shit out of me. Like this, the whole further, the beginnings of the further. It's probably because it, the whole time you're watching it, you're waiting on the jump scare. You're waiting on them moving at the last second. So you're yeah. you're kind of focusing in on it and focusing in and focusing in and focusing in and nothing happens. And you're like, right, fuck, it's coming up next. It just builds yeah. you up. It, it, again, it does it. It does it quite well. Um, now this is where he, he's walking around the house. So he walks into his own house, and now it's it's the second movie they tie in that the scenes we saw earlier when the the house alarm was going off and the door kept opening. That it was actually him in the future coming back into the past to walk into his own house in the further mm-hmm. kind of thing actually when I say it out loud it, it sounds a bit daft it sounds fucking ridiculous <laughs> yeah but <laughs> alright <laughs> now then he finds a red door and the boy who keeps like coming in to try and steal his baby uh, like the guy who was behind his baby crib and the guy who walked in through his window in his bedroom he's the bouncer for the red door yep. <laughs> who, he, who he batters and then you go in, and the pedo demon has chained up the kid. The pedo demon. Yeah. <laughs> so he's now, he's now, he's now a Darth Maul pedo. Yeah. Now they use Tiny Tim again. It's not scary this time. Popping the demon, sharpening his claws, and all the puppets and stuff. The puppets should be scary, but they aren't. And I feel that like there should be a much a much creepier song being used when this when Tiny Tim comes on over this song. It's not creepy anymore. It's not scary. It's just it's it's it releases all the tension. It's, you sit back and you just go right, okay. And I guess that is what happens when you get to the end of the movie because now we've seen the demon, now I know exactly what it is. Like, the tension, the, the waiting for the jump scares has been gone, so now I'm just watching, it, well, you know, whatever happens play out. Okay. That, that is my issue with it. You can overlook the fact the demon looks like Darth Maul and it's got a stupid name, Lipstick Face Demon. It's fucking... Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's just nonsense. Cause it's, right. Is that is actually it? what it's called? Yeah. Lipstick Face Demon? Yeah, that's what they reference it. I could be wrong there. But <laughs> I am ninety five percent sure it is referred to as the lipstick face demon. I also I think it's more of a gimp demon than a Darth Maul demon, but that's just no, where my head's at. It's definitely Darth Maul, just because of the fucking red and black 
and mm. the wee horns and the yellow teeth. But is it's because it shows you like I, I don't want to see the demons sitting there making puppet uh, puppets and fucking spinning in a spinning wheel and at his desk like that. That changes the tone totally in the film, and a wee bit like Hereditary when I first watched it, that the end I thought came so out of the blue and people started laughing. I thought, well, that's it. I, I'm well out of the zone, the, the, the kind of scare zone that I was in. It, this was the same in the cinema. People started laughing because it just became a, a joke, and I've never been able to go over that. I've never been able to see past. I managed it with Hereditary because I then realised it's actually a fucking excellent movie and that does make sense. Those two yeah. boots just ruined it. But with the, the Darth Maul demon, it's like they, they showed their cards too soon. You shouldn't have been able to see that until maybe the third movie where they've then ran out of ideas to just show them. I think they, they went in too quickly with giving you the, the full picture and it's just daft. It's nonsense. And this is where the movie then shits the bed for me. Yeah. I think there's a little bit longer before it shits the bed for me. You get um, he, he gets his son, he gets Dalton, and they try and get out the further, and you get the sea of dolls. It's pretty creepy. Not overly scary at this point, though. They manage to get some tension back when they go back to Specs searching the pitch black house in silence. But then the demon either, either makes it into the real world or it's still in the further, but the demon runs along the walls, and that's it. When it does that, the CGI is so clear, and it's that it fucked it. Yeah. It's a shame because up until the, that kind of demon point, it is a very. It's not original, but it's different to what else was coming out at that time, and the, the scares were really working. And I just I don't understand why they had that that end scene with the demon. I don't understand why they put it in. I think there's yeah. so many better ways they could have finished it. Yeah. We get out, Dalton gets out, and then uh, everybody's happy that Dalton's out, and then. We see that Josh hasn't came round or whatever, and then we find out that the old woman has actually got to Josh and possessed him, and Josh is stuck in the further, and the old woman has come out, and the old woman has killed Elise. Yeah. Um. Because because for some reason when she possessed uh, Josh, she managed to bring her old scabby hand into the real world. So that's how Elise knew that it was the uh, it was the old woman and not Josh. Also, apparently, if a demon possesses you, if you get your photo taken. That you take a photo of the demon and not yourself. I don't know. That's a plot hole as well. Now yeah. I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> um, now I don't know if the old woman possessing Josh is good or bad. I'm not sure. It ties in with the sequel. Did they know that that was going to be part of the story at this point? Did they know there's going to be sequels? I'm not sure because they also then had to write in Elise back in it because she must have had a good reception with the audiences because then that's where they got into prequels and so that she's back alive again. Um, so I'm not entirely sure if they knew fully that they were going to have sequels or not. But we get to the end, and the Red Insidious credits, the same as the start, boom up on the screen with the crazy violins going, and it bookends the movie. Yep. So you want my final summation? Yes. It's a solid movie, I think. It's a modern classic, and I think the hate, especially on the demon, is unfounded and only fueled by people all jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, you do have you, you've got your own reasons for hating them. That's fine. There are some good scares, there's great atmosphere and there's great tension, there's soundtrack uh, and there's interesting characters. It showed us something new rather than the same old ghost story or possession movie and with a $1.5 million budget and bringing in $97 million, it kept the love and the need for big cinema released horror movies and that can never be sniffed at. Three and a half, Gimp Demons out of five. Mm-hmm. I can 
understand that, even after all the kind of plot holes, like how come that little coal miner boy managed to get in and out, nobody nobody really bored with him. Yeah. Uh, I think it ruins the movie a wee bit more, but uh, <laughs> it's, it is one of the last films I've seen in the cinema that did have my palms sweaty, it did have me on the edge of my seat at times, it totally shuts the bed at the end, and for that, I'll always be annoyed by it, because I think it it would be a really strong contender for one of my, not one of my favourite, but up there in the top kind of 30 modern horror films. Uh, I'd probably give it a 3, because I think giving it any less than that is harsh to, like you say, it, a massive, it was a massive box office success. It probably had a, a really good part to play in the current modern the modern horror we're getting now Insidious was one of the early ones that had people who don't regularly go see horror films had them talking and had them wanting to go to the cinema I don't think they should have done a sequel I don't think they should have ended it the way they did and I don't think they should have tried to keep the series going if it just ended with the Victorian lady possessing the dad I think that would have been a stronger finish but Sell a V, obviously, money talks, bullshit walks. Uh, so yeah, I'd give it, I'd give it a three. But the demon will forever annoy me. I know some people just say it because it's, it's an easy thing to slag the movie for. But it, I, I just, I can't get behind it at all. I just think it was, it was stupid. Yeah. So, uh, can I just say something? That I have just literally just found out. Yeah. Today is James Wan's birthday. There you go. Yeah, synchronicity, see. If I edit this really fucking quickly, we can tweet it to him with a big happy birthday. James. <laughs> Joy here is slag your Darth Maul demon. <laughs> it's probably Lee Wano's Darth Maul demon, to be fair. James Wan just directed it. And it is. The cinematography in it is very good. Especially, I didn't actually know the budget was as low as it is. Because uh, it looks good. Apart from the odd CGI kind of failure. Uh, it still it looks good and it sounds good, so yeah, surprised at that. Uh, it, it was basically kind of Kickstarter to Blumhouse, wasn't it? It was one of Blumhouse's first big movies. Yeah, and I don't I don't know a bad mouth Blumhouse in the last episode. There's a lot a Blumhouse product that I really really enjoy. It's just it's easy to kind of group it all together. Is do you th- do you think if, if, do you think if we were all alive in the thirties? You would have um, had the same had the same reaction or the same like view of Universal that you do for Blumhouse, like for the monsters when they were coming out at the time, because I think I think time does then tell how you how you then look at something. I think sometimes time does make things people appreciate different things to a different level. Universal monsters are different because a lot of the time it was kind of the first time you were seeing most of it was on screen, so... Yes, so it, would you have liked it at the time, or would you have been like, would you have been like half the people who probably watched, like, were alive at the time? I think it's vulgar. Oh, no, I think, well, I don't know, I don't... I can't go back in time. Exactly, you can't, <laughs> you can't put yourself in that yeah. position, which is exactly why I find it so difficult to watch the damn things. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that I would have enjoyed it because it was all, it was all new, it was all original and... Now it's very, very, very difficult, if not near impossible, to make an original film because 
it obviously yeah. is going to be based on things that come before it. My issue with you, you fucking cowboy, is that he, he, sometimes it seems that you don't show enough respect to the movies that paved the way for these ones. And that's what I'm going to break out of you, or beat out of you, in the next few picks when we, we concentrate in the 60s. I'm not doing the decades thing now. I'm just, because of the 60s, I'll keep it kind of there. But I think if we add a wee bit of colour into some of these old movies... Uh, then I think we might start winning you over and then we can try again with uh, the even older ones. Can I just say, I do respect the old movies. Just because I don't invite them to the party doesn't mean to say I don't think that they, you know, were good at, like, inviting the... I don't know, I thought I had a better uh, simile. That's fine, but if you were at high school and you all your pals went to a house party and the person whose party was said to you by the way it's not that I don't respect you I just don't want you at my party you still be like that fuck off I, I've I've made this party happen by me doing whatever it is by me buying you all drink I've allowed this party happen and you're not even going to invite me yeah but sometimes yeah. that person's really born <laughs> the person's only born because other people are I've lost the analogy now, but people are watching it on their phone <laughs> in fucking nine parts rather than sitting down and actually going from going with the journey in one sitting the way these films should be. All these old films are very much dialogue heavy, unlike Insidious, which is you you talk about it through though that scary scene, that scary scene that it's in parts, whereas the old movies are mainly dialogue driven, and you need to watch them in one go. And that's what yeah. I'll get you doing eventually. But Insidious, I'm actually I'm kind of glad you picked it. It was good revisiting it. I've now seen it far too many times that it'll be a long time before I go back to it. But it was good to relive the kind of the, the sweaty palms. If I get sleep paralysis tonight, though, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to drop kick you in the fud bin. Well, and just sleep paralysis. Make sure you come to my work because uh, I won't get in the house. <laughs> Oh no, not in sleep paralysis, in the sleep oh, really? paralysis I'll be fighting these mad demons. Uh, <laughs> it's quite a terrifying time. I'm actually oh, yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to it at all. <laughs> but when I wake up, go see if you go home, there's just a wee shit. It's because I came out of your house <laughs> and you were at work. <laughs> in fact, I wonder if you would do that. If you astral projected yourself and you were a ghost, would you still need a wee ghost shit? Would you like astral projected shit or would you woke up, would it, would it disappear or would it still remain there? I don't uh, know how it works. We should maybe who's the guy from Most Haunted? Derek Akora. We should maybe yeah. write write to him and find out what happens with yeah, astral projection. Yeah, do you just see like we astral projected shits everywhere when you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was Insidious. So we'll take a short break and we'll be back to close out the show. What up, fuckers? It's Bam Margera here from Jackass and Viva La Bam, and you are listening to Scott and Liam versus Evil. So that was episode 89, that was Insidious, and this week, as in in like fucking 48 hours, Fright Fest 2K19. Woo! I'm excited, are you excited? I'm excited, yeah. I've actually just needed to do a wee job either, just think about it. <laughs> a real one or a wee astral projection one? Uh, well, we'll find out. <laughs> uh, I am looking forward to, I've not watched a lot of the trailers, I'm kind of want to go in, like I've read some of the synopsis. And I kind of want to go in where, do you know what, it's all fresh. If I watch the trailers and I don't like the trailer, I might be kind of, I might get in the mindset that I'll just avoid that movie and I'll not yeah. go in. I don't want to do that. I'd like to see as many, if not all of them. 
yeah. I think I can. Um, obviously, Lords of Chaos is Thursday night. That's the standout side, standout yeah. one that's separate from the weekend ticket, which is usually a kind of bigger budget one. Like the years before, it's been Ghost Stories last year, and the first year we went was the the Forest when Atlas Dormer. Um, so it's they're, they're kind of bigger budget movies. And Lords of Chaos, it's got one of the Culkins in it. Got to love the Culkins. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But as of the the you know the two marathon days, Friday Saturday, yeah, I've I've watched the trailers when they were first announced, and I've not kind of went back to them. I think there was nothing that I was a particularly not interested. There's there's a movie that's in black and white that's purposely switched into black and white that I think I'm going to have issues with, and it's not because they all like the way that we've talked about black and white and how I hate black and white movies. It's that it looks like a modern film turned into black and white. Like just even just the the way the actors look, the styles of their hair that they've tried to dresses after from the 30s or whatever but it doesn't look that maybe i'll be maybe i'll be proved wrong when i watch the movie that's exactly why we go and we sit through all of these to see um what they're like but there's a uh, that's i think it's a scottish boy uh, is it uh, brewster um yeah. somebody brewster and he's got a movie um and he's the guy who done the owl man thing wasn't it yeah so he's got a movie uh, at this one which i'm quite looking forward to see because homegrown talent and all that so uh, it'll yeah. be a great great weekend and there's also uh they are doing short movies again, I think. They're doing shorts in between the movies that they've done the first year we went. Uh, so those are always interesting to see. Um, yeah, that'd be good. So, yeah. what, lots of chaos. I am desperate for, even if it wasn't playing at Fright Fest, whenever it was playing, I'd have seen it. Uh, I'm a fan of black metal. More modern black metal than the old shit that sounds like you're a teenage boy actually getting raped by the devil. <laughs> uh, but I went to Norway. I've seen a lot of the... Because I read the book, I'd seen a lot of the, the settings and the, the places that a lot of the shit happened that's going to be in the movie and I'm really looking forward to it but because I read the book because I know like a lot of the bands and I'm into some of them I have hopes for this film that I think are going to be really ha- hard to surpass and yeah. it's unfair because yep. right now the way, the way I'm excited about it I don't think any movie could hit that peak so I'm looking forward to it, and also a wee bit kind of a wee bit of trepidation that it's just not going to land as well with me as I want it to. Yeah. But other than that, we get drunk. We we don't talk to anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we have a rip roaring good time. Let's make yeah. a promise that we are going to try and actually socialise and mingle, not just with Duncan from Podcast Under the Stairs, who will obviously be with us and joining in the party, but with other people. Yeah, we'll get we'll just certainly give a go. This is our third or fourth year now, so yeah, we're pretty much you know, we're one of the family now for Freight Vest, that's what it's like, a big huge family. So definitely talk we talked to the, the organisers last year, we had a good chat with them about what they're all in it all about and stuff. So maybe this year we'll try and uh, uh, either record some of those chats or do like live streams from the film theatre. Uh, we're gonna be like like you said, Liam, we're going to be with Duncan, so there's a very good chance there'll be live streams in the go, whether on our group, Scotland vs Evil, or whether on Podcast Under the Stairs. A lot of you are in both groups. Um, do you know what? If we're if Duncan's doing a live stream with us talking in it for Podcast Under the Stairs, we'll do one at the exact same time so that you know all yeah. our listeners, all our group fans will will see it. So yeah, so it should be a good weekend. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the uh, the traditional spank the bottle of red wine before the last film on the Saturday night. <laughs> And get so drunk you fall asleep and can't move after it. That's it. Or you'll meet the director and you'll two hand, <laughs> you'll two, two, hand, hand sh- two hand shake his fist. Two hand shake. Fucking weirdo. So we'll be back next week, hopefully, with our Fright Fest 
kind of break down what we liked, what we didn't like, what we loved, what we hated, how drunk Scott got, uh, how much we embarrassed ourselves, and uh, yeah, tune in for all the live videos and stuff over the weekend, hopefully, if we actually keep up our end of the bargain, which we rarely do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll see you guys for episode 90 uh, next week. See you. Adios, compadres. Adios, compadres.